Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Jen A. I'm from Colorado and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 19, 2023, and it's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today we're reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter titled A Vision for You. We're on page number 154 on the fourth paragraph. It begins with, but what about his responsibilities? Ending with, he stepped into a booth and lifted the receiver. Today's readers on Team Tuesday, we have the 12 Steps with Marge E, 12 Traditions, Rick J. Reader of the text will be Pete B. Closing reader is Rena L. And our backup reader today is Nancy P. Our newcomer reader will be Karen W. And second hour moderator, Barb W. The reference number for yesterday, which was Monday, September 18, 2023, are the following. 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Big Book Study Recording was 20,652. That's 20652. The 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Big Book Study Recording is 20,653. That's 20653. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry steps of OA to those who is our sole purpose. OA's tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marge E. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Marge. Thank you so much, Jen. Appreciate all you do. This is Marge E. from Massachusetts, Recovered but Not Cured. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to practice these principles 
in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you. I'll now ask Rick J. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Jen. Thank you for your service. My name is Rick J. I'm a compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina, recovered but not cured. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Or each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thanks so much, Marge E. and Rick J. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on the topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So, to share, you press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the chapter of vision for you. It's in the big book on page 154. We're reading that fourth paragraph, and I will now ask Pete B. to begin reading. Thanks, Jen. Hi, everybody. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy in Pennsylvania. But what about his responsibilities, his family? and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well. Ah, yes, those other alcoholics. There must be many such in this town. He would phone a clergyman. His sanity returned, and he thanked God. Selecting a church at random from the directory, he stepped into a booth and lifted the receiver. 
So, you know, that's a, uh, that, that, that's a good paragraph because it calls out what is supposed to occur as a result of working these 12 steps in entire abstinence. Um, that sanity is returned, right? Like, I, you know, um, you know, in the previous paragraphs, it talks about the, you know, the mental gymnastics that we do, you know, that, that Bill's doing with regard to taking the drink or not taking the drink. And, you know, when isn't there an abundance of reasons, you know, as compulsive overeaters to not take that first fatal bite? I mean, there's always an abundance of reasons. And then for whatever reason, um, I like to think it's because I don't take this disease as serious as it needs to be taken, that reasoning gives way to the thought that this time will be different or maybe I was making too big a deal out of it or, uh, you know, maybe I'm better now because I haven't done it in such a long time. And, you know, that, that, that defense gives way and I take the first fatal bite. Right. And, and um, I think that's, you know, when, when my body's responding to the phenomenon of craving because it's response for a long time to the phenomenon of craving, that makes, you know, that makes sense of being driven. But Bill, but Bill's not being driven by the phenomenon of craving. He's being driven by the mental obsession that precedes taking that first drink. And I, ch- I don't think that that's unique to compulsive overeaters. I know a lot of people that are obsessed with foods that are, that are not compulsive overeaters. I have people in my family, they, you know, they eat dinner, talk about breakfast. And they eat breakfast, they talk about lunch, you know, and they, you know, they have passion for food. And, you know, God bless them. There's nothing wrong with that. But what makes me a compulsive overeater is what happens to me bodily and mentally after I take the, after I take the bite. Right? By then, I'm, I'm out of control, right? So I have to remember what distinguishes me from the normal eater, hard eater, or moderate eater. And that condition, you know, puts me into a place where I'm beyond human aid. Right, so Bill, in this instance, takes a look. He, he's, he, his sanity has returned because he's been working towards it. Remember, he didn't have the OA toolkit. He didn't have the 10-step app or the train or, you know, he didn't have any of that. He didn't have any of that. He had the buildup of human emotions from a, from a dangerous situation, and he did the thing that he knew would work. He got out of himself and focused on somebody else and sought out somebody else so that he could be relieved of that mental obsession, relieved of the selfishness and self-centeredness that we as human beings that also happen to be compulsive overeaters are plagued with, right? The focus has to come out of me. Processing the information was not going to save Bill here. Analyzing what was wrong with him was not going to save Bill here. What saved Bill here is that he got out of himself and directed his attention and thoughts to somebody else, and it was relieved. And I believe that's my time, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Perfect timing. Thanks, Pete B. All right. Well, we do appreciate and value everybody that's here this morning and all your experience. So we do ask um, that you uh, limit your share every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. So who would like to share on what was read today? If you give me your names one at a time, I can hear you real good. Go ahead. Catherine F. Rick J. and Catherine. Elise. Elise. 
Alicia and there was some. Yeah, go ahead. Elise Alicia. Elise and thanks, Elise. Elise and okay. Who else? Stephanie R. And Katie. And that's good. Okay, Stephanie R. and Katie G. And we'll call it good for now. Okay, here we go. Here's the lineup. This is how I heard you. Uh, Rick J., Catherine S., Tamara C., Elise N., Stephanie R. and Katie G. You have three minutes. Go right ahead, Rick. Uh, thank you so much, Jen, again, for your service. Uh, Rick J., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Cary, North Carolina. And I love this this paragraph. It, um, you know, so beautifully, um, you know, just connects to the previous paragraph that we just talked about yesterday. And, uh, you know, what, what I so hear and, you know, and appreciate with Bill in this moment in time is – you know, that, uh, that first thought, you know, when he was, you know, he was worried about paying his bill and the whole, you know, the whole disaster of the business meeting. I mean, he was in a, an emotionally turbulent place and, you know, seeking ease and comfort is, is certainly, you know, a very understandable, uh, thought. Right. And, and he hears that, that music and, it's like this magical little world, you know, where he can go, not just find escape, but eventually find oblivion. That, that was his pattern. And that's my pattern as well. And, uh, you know, and that was his first thought, you know, and then he, uh, you know, he shivers and he turns away, he walks into the lobby and, you know, and he's got this second thought, this new idea that's coming and that's just divinely inspired. He didn't, pick up the phone and call a sponsor because he didn't have one. He was, he was it. <laughs> he was the only one. And, uh, you know, but he picked up the phone, you know, he paused and he took action and his thoughts went to someone else, just like Pete was sharing, you know, and that's what saved him. And that's what saves me. You know, when I have a first thought, you know, I, I, I went through a, a period recently where, you know, my first thoughts, you know, going through some chemo uh, and stuff and some health issues is that, you know, in this moment in time, you know, this food would be okay. And it was a little bit off of my food plan and, you know, and I wasn't honest about it. And, you know, and that was, that was my best thinking at the time. And, you know, and I had to go through a, you know, a painful realization that, you know, with me, it's, it's like my, my step one is a hundred percent honesty. And, um, with, with Bill, it's a little bit more clear, you know, you don't take that first drink and he didn't, you know, he didn't, he, he paused and he took action and his thoughts went to someone else. He picked up the phone and, you know, and that's what I do today. And thank God, you know, today I'm, I'm living in a, a world of recovery, uh, with honesty abstinence but mostly you know the connection with my higher power and you and it all starts you know i i pause i i go from a first thought and an old idea to a second thought and a new idea you know with god's help with the god of my understanding 
with my higher powers help. And uh, thank you. With that, I pass. Thanks, Rick J. All right. Up next, we have Catherine S. followed by Tamara C. Go ahead, Catherine. Good morning, everybody. My name is Catherine S. from Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. Grateful, compulsive overeater in recovery, coming on her seven-week abstinence. And what struck me most about this passage was the speaking of responsibility. And what's funny is we are responsible in our responsibilities, right? But my responsibilities are what stress me out the most. Even though I play a role in them, I still am completely not in control when it comes to them. Um, What stresses me out most is finances and my job. I do not get paid enough at my job. Um, I'm not overspending, but I'm not making enough money to pay my bills. And it's so funny because both of those are tied together. You get money from your job. Um, And what triggers me with my job is dealing with people. Um, You know, I am so broken and wounded, and I recognize that every day, right? I wouldn't be in OA if I had it all together. I do not. My thinking is a mess. I suffer from the mental obsession over everything, constantly obsessing. Um, But I'm also dealing with some really broken people, too, who are deeply wounded, who unleash their dissatisfaction with life upon me and and it's not me playing a victim my sponsor my therapist my family they all say I work in a really unhealthy work environment and I'm completely not in control of these people and it's so hard for me to surrender to that fact um that's what the Lord is calling me to every moment of every day is just this constant surrender You know, I get triggered at work, I come home, I obsess over it, and there's this calling to practice the second and third step, which go together constantly, constantly, you know, relying on God's understanding and not my own, right? Because my thoughts are not reliable. If my thoughts were reliable, I wouldn't be a compulsive overeater. Um, If they were on my own, my thoughts are not reliable, but with God, they are. When I turn to him and I have him look at me and love me, and I rely on his face, how he looks at me, with just pure love. And when I rely on that, I'm pulled out of this insanity of this disease. So today, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to completely rely on him, utterly and completely, not on myself. Um, And I'm going to go outside of myself as well. I'm going to serve my coworkers. I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to put myself last. And I'm going to work really, really hard at my job like I have been. I'm going to give my best. Um, And that is all God asks of us. Nothing more, nothing less. He just asks us to live out our vocation as beloved children of God, to imitate him how he would do in all things. So that's what I'm going to do. I am resolved. Um, I woke, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thanks, Catherine, so much. Catherine from PA. Up next is Tamara C., followed by Elise N. Go ahead, Tamara. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Tamara C., a recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. 
and uh, such a beautiful promise. His sanity returned. I just love this. This is maybe one of my favorite lines in the book, just this uh, whole idea that my sanity can return um, because... Uh, when when I think of others, when I think of others. I can relate to Bill's fear in the previous paragraph with that, with a shiver he turned away, this this fear I have of getting back into my disease. Um, but in recovery, he noticed the old insane thinking, and um, he knew his disease. And so uh, recovered, I get to notice too. I, I notice it. It's not quite as cunning and baffling because... Um, I am working a program of action, and so I have this awareness when my old thinking comes in, my old insane ideas. And then um, he knew uh, the solution was, um, you know, a higher power and the action that would get him to that solution in uh, the steps, uh, this program of action, which included step 12, working with others. So he took a step toward the solution, and that was enough. His sanity returned. And um, even before he even got to follow through, he was going to follow through, but um, it's such a such a great promise for me. Um, I can move toward a connection with my higher power um, by giving service. That's, that's action that helps me get there. Um, it's such an important reminder to me um, that working with another really, really saves the day. Um, I hear from them my own step one, and I hear from myself and them um, the solution as I'm things come to mind that my sponsor has shared with me or other fellows have shared with me or, or something from the big book or in my new relationship with a higher power and um, just reminds me of of the solution. So I I remember as a recovered person that I'm not cured. I must work with others. It's it's not an option. I used to think, oh, how nice. It's such a nice program that, you know, we get help and then we turn and help others. Yes, it is nice to pay it forward, but it, it, for me, I have to remember, actually, my life depends on it. I can never think I'm recovered enough not to need this action. In fact, I, I want to be recovered enough to remember that, that this action is life-giving for me. Thank you. I pass. Thank you so much. Up next, we have Elise and followed by Stephanie R. Hi, good morning, and thank you to everybody who's doing service for this meeting and who everybody on the line, even the people a little too shy to share. Um, what I got from this paragraph was that he was the first sponsor. You know, he didn't have a sponsor, but somehow he was able to go through this book on his own and gain his recovery. He didn't have the book, but he he did the steps. And then he was able to go out and help other people. And I consider myself new in recovery, even though I've been in this program 30 years. I've now been very inspired by listening to A Vision for You and to my own sponsor. Um, And I've been in in and out of relapse for many years. But I, I'm itching to, to, through listening to the people on this line and how they've become recovered and how they're helping others, I started itching to become recovered. And I 
spent so much time, like the last nine months, being afraid to do a fourth step. And, you know, granted, I was depressed, which is there's some stigma in society about that. But I, and I did seek outside help, and that's helping also. But my sponsor told me, this is, you know, you put down the food, and this isn't real depression. This is you're feeling your feelings. Um, and like Arlen G. would say, I felt I did. I felt fear more, felt anger more. And for today, um, my food is down. My food has been down for nine months. And I said to my sponsor, how did you ever put up with me for nine months? And you should have dropped me so many times. And she said, "She," I said, and you were right. This is all about my feelings and I have to work the steps. And I'm now on fourth step with her. And she said, and I said, how did you not drop me? And she said, well, what you weren't doing was eating Oreo cookies. I was, I might not have been working the steps yet, but I wasn't eating. So I'm very grateful to to God for bringing me to this program. And I'm grateful for him showing me this meeting because it's a healthy OA meeting. And, and I hope to become recovered like a lot of you are. I'm very inspired by you. And I'm very grateful to God to have you. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Elise, and glad you're here. Uh, all right, up next we have Stephanie R. followed by Katie G. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning. Hello, family. So grateful to be here. Um, I really wanted to claim my seat and say how important it is to me to hear things from the big book on a daily basis that I am always in touch with my higher power and with, you know, the the insidiousness of this disease. Um, I think for me, and I can only speak for myself, when, when I hear stories of how Bill was so close to, to just doing something that would have totally destroyed his serenity and his peace of mind and his abstinence of six months, I, I understand because... Just for me, the other day, I was having a beautiful, very, very calm day, and and then I just felt something destroy my serenity. I I think I was not as kind as I could have been to my my 92 year old mother. I I just I just didn't say the words that came from straight love, and it bothered my spirit, and I just got so involved in the discomfort that I knew. I needed to talk to someone else and not talk about myself. I needed to put myself out there so that I could hear someone else and just, just connect because the longer I stay in a state of discomfort, of knowing that something is off in my spirit and my relationship to my higher power, that's when I know I need to really reach out to others. It's that pause. I tell my sponsees all the time that I learn to recover, to stay in a recovery. Stephanie, we lost you for a second there. Are you still on the line? You got muted, Stephanie. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm so sorry. I just want okay. to say thank you so much for um, everybody being here, and I know to pause just to keep my serenity and my connection to God. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. We appreciate you. All right, up next is Katie G. Good morning, Katie. 
Hey, Jen A, KDG, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Jen, thanks for taking the meeting. Um, yeah, so I looked up sanity, and it means soundness of mind, rational mind. And I think what's happened to me is um, I'm not free from crazy thoughts. Like, it's not a moral issue. Like, and I'm going to just keep it real. I say I'm recovered, and yet yesterday... I'm on the exercise bike, which I'm an exercise bulimic, and I weigh and measure exercise, and my hip starts to hurt. And what do I do? I panic. I'm like, nope, today is the day to exercise. And I couldn't listen to my body, but my body was louder. And so what I've learned over the years is that I am not my thinking. Like before, you know, when I was in relapse and um, when I was in my exercise bulimia and focusing on myself all the time, like I thought if I had a thought, it owned me. And the only way to separate my thinking and to see that I'm insane is to have a relationship with God so that I know that when the voice in my head is self, 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 there's only one way out and that's helping others. And I don't, I don't claim to be godly or a saint, but I have to tell you, like, there isn't a day that I don't reach out to people. I go through my phone. I think about, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so at a meeting recently. I wonder if they're okay, right? Because we have to consider, or excuse me, that is not appropriate. I have to consider others. Um, and I'm somebody who has really struggled for 46 years on what I look like and what I weigh, and yet... No amount of affirmation, and when I was overweight, no amount of loving my fat thighs ever did anything for me. It, like looking in the mirror was tragic because all I was looking at was the problem, and I was praying that somehow my face would be reoriented into the cure, right? So that somehow the way God made my body would be changed and I would be cured. But the only way that I have learned to get out of body image is to get out of Katie, is to leave myself at the door and contact my fellows and shut my mouth and say, how are you? What's on your heart today? How can I be of service? Whether or not I want to. You know, I've done it on the day I gave birth. I, I did it on the day I lost a baby. And, you know, one of our fellows ha is, is suffering from a physical malady right now. You know what? He's calling people. He's taking calls. Why? Because this program is the only thing that's going to save me because it brings me to God. And thank you for uh, the opportunity to share. Thanks. Thanks, Katie. All right. Well, we have made it halfway through uh, the meeting this morning. If you've just joined us and you're coming on just a little bit late, we're on page 154 in the big book. We're uh, resuming our study in the chapter of A Vision for You. We're on that fourth paragraph, just sharing on that one fourth, on that fourth paragraph. It says, we have shown how we got out from under. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take another list of names. We do value your experience. Uh, we ask that you limit your sharing. If you haven't shared, please press star one. We'd love to hear from new voices. Um, but go ahead and say your names one at a time. Bonnie, 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 in Georgia. Try that in Georgia. Eva. Nancy P. There we go. Larry and Georgia. Eva. Okay. Nancy P. 
Larry K. All right. Chris, who else? Chris W. Was it Chris? Yeah. Okay, thanks, Chris. I didn't catch your first initial or your last name, but you give it to me when you're up. Who else? Did, did you get Darian? No, Darian, I didn't. Thank you. Thank you. Can you repeat the reading, please? Yes, I would be happy to. Okay, so we're on a vision for you, page uh, 140, or sorry, 154, fourth paragraph, beginning with, but what about his responsibilities? Ending with, he stepped into a booth and lifted the receiver. Okay, I can take one more name. Who else would like to share? Did you get Bonnie B? I didn't. Thank you, Bonnie. All right, we're all set. Great lineup. Okay, here's who I heard. Yvette, Nancy, Larry, Chris, Darian, and Bonnie B. Yvette, go right ahead. Yvette, recovering compulsive overeater in um, Georgia. Uh, recovered, actually. And uh, what a beautiful reading. I was like, yes, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for restoration. Um, so many uh, have gone through the program, you know, and, and died in the midst of, of getting um, this healing. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful to my higher power for um, never giving up on me. You know, it, it took a while for me to find program. And I believe I found it right when I was supposed to. And um, uh, the healing. I, I, I need a healing on, on different levels. I, the physical healing, I had no idea I had a, an allergy of the body, you know, and the mind, um, which was stemming from uh, a spiritual uh, malady. And uh, so this program helped me to figure out uh, those foods that don't serve my body, that create an allergic reaction and, um, you know, inability to stop once I start. And then the emotional part of it, uh, so many emotions packed in, lots of fear. I, I, I lived in perpetual fear. And it... Um, you know, it robbed my my energy as I, I gave it away um, unknowingly to, um, you know, the the energy that it took to run a life based in fear was enormous, um, and uh, it didn't leave a lot of space for me to thrive, and uh, and then it all comes from like a connection with my higher power, a healthy connection with my higher power. Uh, fear, I call fear uh, an emotional allergen, just as those uh, f- uh, certain foods are physical, like bodily allergens. Um, fear is an emotional allergen for me, and it, it uh, blinds me from the sunshine of my, my higher power, uh, that I do have a higher power who can help, uh, it fear triggers me into self reliance and um yeah, and I think that I have to hold the world on my shoulder and uh thank goodness for the tenth step to uh take a look at that and process what's alive in me and invite my higher power in and get to a place of right sizeness that 
no, I'm not the higher power. I never have been. Um, fear convinced me that I was um, and uh, that I do have a higher power, that I can surrender uh, all things to, even the things that I think are minute, my higher power wants to be involved with. Even the things that I think are flowing really well, my higher power wants to be involved with that. You know, and so um, the spiritual connection with my higher power and um, and the growing in that, you know, it's like the big book talks about resting on laurels, um, which can be really a simple thing to do, uh, very easy to do. But today, um, I know that it's it's the core of my health and wellness to expand my spiritual connection with my higher power and to just be open to the different ways that uh, my higher power presents to me to uh, expand my spiritual connection. Oh, that's time. (laughs) Thank you so much (laughs) for sharing. (laughs) All right, Yvette from Georgia. Up next is Nancy P. followed by Larry K. Good morning, Nancy. Hey, Jen. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Nancy P. Recovering West Newton, Massachusetts. Oh, my God. You know, I love the 12th step. It's the jewel in the crown, and um, it serves two functions for me. It's the end result of the first 11 steps because it's number 12, and it also allows me to um, work the previous 11 steps as a way of life in perpetuity. And it says in the doctor's opinion, we solve our problem on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane. So if I don't help other people as an active real-time effort, I get nothing. And if I only help others without being spiritually awake, I will definitely pick up, definitely. Um, so I'm on board with that. But, you know, here I am chugging along. You know, I've gotten a sponsor. I've surrendered. You know, I'm going, I'm going. And, and you know, I had not had, um, you know, Bill in this instance, he, this is the first time he came up against the mental obsession in sobriety. And, you know, this is, getting serious now, right? That's what I thought when I was going to the hospital with my first pregnancy to have my baby. I was like, uh-oh, no more, you know, like, this is it, you know, you're on. And, um, and he, you know, he was given the, um, the ability, the grace to pick up the phone instead of, you know, and then Dr. Bob followed and the whole fellowship was born in that moment, really born, um, or the labor was done, I guess. And, um, you know, I... I joined A Vision for You after decades in sort of regular open OA, you know, other meetings, basically, um, in December um, 1st. And that's the exact time that my social life, my usually our usually very boring social life, ticks up a little bit with a few parties and open houses and that sort of thing for the, for the holiday season. <clears throat> and, you know, I didn't want to be a prisoner. I didn't want to be a prisoner. And I'm 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 not like a nurturing kind of a person. I'm sort of a bottom line kind of a person. And I I always say this: I kicked my brain into gear, and I said, "Solve this problem right now, Nancy." And you know, because I had been working with my sponsor, because I had been, um, you know, working, moving along nicely, you know, I reached for the phone, metaphorically speaking, you know, and. And, you know, the, the, um, I hadn't come up against the mental twist in sobriety in that moment, but later when I had been recovered, something happened. And, um, 
I was with my husband, very innocuous, by the way. He's a pretty inoffensive guy. And I was instantly as angry as I've ever been in my life. And I thought, I'm going to get a divorce. And I picked up the phone by reflex. And I could feel my blood pressure going down. And and by the time I got off the phone, 40 or 45 minutes later, so I talked to two or three people, my anger was gone. And to this day, I don't even remember what it was about. And, you know, what is that but a miracle of healing? You know, what is all of the things? You know, the first time a food thing came up, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, and I and the, all these are acts of surrender. And I work hard every day. All of us who are recovered work hard every single day to stay recovered. It's not one and done. And I would say that, you know, Bill, again, is this, this oracle of truth. You know, he talks about working with a newcomer sitting in on his feet. And it works even in hard times, and I'd say it works especially in hard times. And um, anybody who's still eating, pick up the phone, call me if no one else, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Nancy P. Up next is Larry K. followed by Chris. Morning, Larry. Morning, Jen. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Larry Kay. I'm a recovered combustible reader from Chicago. And, um, you know, the, uh, I guess, you know, let, let's be clear about something, or I'll be clear about something. In this par- paragraph, Bill already had a spiritual experience. He had it at Towns Hospital, as we know, in November of 1934. He worked the six steps at the time that he was introduced uh, to by Abby Thatcher. And now, six months later, he's at the Mayflower Hotel in May of 1935. And he's sober. And yet, here he is contemplating having a drink. And remember, the previous paragraph, Bill was on thin ice, right? And And he felt the shiver of fear. I felt that before. And I'll guarantee you there's more than one person on this line that has worked the steps, had some sort of spiritual transformation, Maybe they're six months sober, just like Bill, and maybe maybe on thin ice too. I know how that feels. Now let's see what happens next, right? I believe God inspired a moment of cognitive clarity in Bill, right? He here's what here's what appears to play out in, in Bill's mind as he reflects back on the moment when he's writing this. Do I take a left back into the disease? Or do I hang a righty? Do I hang a right towards recovery? You know, and do feelings play a part in a human being? Of course they do. You're darn right they do. In fact, human beings are, you know, these human feelings are the springboard to action. A donut or a phone call to help another, right? Both actions born of thought, all actions born in thought, and a God-inspired feeling associated with that train of thought. You know, am I, am I going to be into the hamburger helper or a people helper? You know, my, my choice, both actions. Am I going to choose apathy? Am I going to choose empathy? My choice, demonstration, demonstrated in action. And Bill chose empathy over apathy, and it saved his ass. We see that. Let's be clear about that. And he had no way of knowing what the outcome would be of his choice to pick up the receiver of the payphone instead of a drink. His sanity returned, and he says he thanked God. When I have an intention to be helpful to another rather than picking up the bakery box, guess what? In those countless moments, sanity returns. When we work the steps, it's like breathing back the life force. These actions are are no less than a spiritual resuscitation. Yet if I get a notion in my mind today that I don't need to take action, 
in this demonstration. There's a name for me, and that name is fool, foolish man. I've been there. I'll be into the, I'll be into the almond butter, Jen, if I don't do that. So I got to do that today. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. Up next, we have Chris followed by Darian Kay. Good morning, Chris. Can I get the first initial of your last name? Yes, this is Chris W. Chris with a K from Nashville, Tennessee, Central Time. Um, so the chapter starts out with, but what about his responsibilities, his family and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? Ah, uh, yes, those other compulsive overeaters. And um, I've just become so aware that if I'm not working this program and I'm not putting my abstinence at the top of um, my life, then I'm not able to really have that deep um, relationship that I have with God now. And um, I realize that I do hurt a lot of people if I don't take my abstinence seriously and I don't keep that food put down and um, keep those emotions at bay that I hurt those that I'm sponsoring because if I go back out, then they have to get a new sponsor. They might have to start all the way from the beginning. I'm actually punishing them um, by my own selfish disease. and. Um, I realized, like yesterday, my son, he called me a couple times, actually, and he's in a lot of pain. He's in the middle of a divorce. He's, um, he cried a lot on Sunday, and he's not like that. And um, and I, I was sad yesterday. This morning, I woke up a little irritated and angry at her, and um, and it's, you know, I'm writing in my two-way journal, and it's like, God... I think I need to do a 10 step because I woke up feeling angry and, you know, I have to do those things because I don't want to go back into the food. I, I want this way of life that I have now that I can be calm and patient and talk to people about things that maybe we disagree and I'm not raising my voice and being angry at them and, trying to make them understand what I'm saying or storm out of the room, all those kind of things that with my old self, I can be calm and let people have their own opinions. And that is an absolute miracle. I, I just can't even believe that that's me saying that. And um, anyway, I'm just so grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater. I like this, what I've been hearing lately. I, I'm a, um, oh, great. I'm a relapse survivor. I have survived that, and um, I'm on to continuing to be abstinent and work this program like my hair's on fire. Anyway, thank you very much. I pass. Thanks, Chris, with the K. Uh, last initial W from Tennessee. Up next is Darian K, followed by Bonnie B. Good morning, Darian. Good morning, Jen. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Go right ahead. 
Awesome. All right. This is Gary E.K. from the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Recovered for today and so grateful to be on the line with all you wonderful humans <laughs> um, that I so cherish and are just like me. Um, so glad I fit in somewhere. So glad that I, you know, belong. Uh, and, uh, you know, I celebrated yesterday. I came into program September 18th, 1986. So it's been 37 long years of just uh, beautiful, beautiful recovery. Um, yeah, ups and downs and all around, but just um, gratitude for being a part of this program. And, um, you know, I I love this, the way that the, the book is written. It's just, um, you know, we tell kids, I work in schools, and we tell kids to visualize and then verbalize, you know. And, and you know, Bill has a great way of helping us to visualize without putting much effort into it, right? And I can really picture him. Uh, um, all I can think of, it's coming to my mind as we stood at the turning point. We asked his care with complete abandon, right? So that's part of the big book. And I don't even, I don't memorize pieces of the big book, but that's all that comes to mind as we stood at the turning point. I feel like that's what he was doing. He was standing at a turning point, and he had a choice. And he listened to that soft, small voice in his heart that told, that, that told him to... Um, you know, to make the phone call, to reach out, because his mind was clear of his substance, you know, and I, I think that is just so important. When we put down the food, our mind becomes clear, we can hear things that we may not have heard before, um, and then we can make the choices that we might not have ever thought of, um, because our, you know, our head is clear, the fog is lifted, and it's it's a, you know, it's that intuitive little thought. We're we're born with that intuition, you know. Look at animals; they they eat when they're hungry. They, you know, <laughs> they do things on instinct, and we have that. I just think that they go way off kilter when we pick up food, when we pick up a substance, and we're just, um, you know, not not tuning into that, you know, deep little soft voice inside. So I am so grateful that Bill made the choice that he did, obviously, and that, you know, it just uh, blossomed into this, this beautiful program of recovery for all of us today. And, you know, I just hope that I always feel this gratitude in my heart um, for programs and uh, working, you know, working the 12 steps and the tools and just just being, uh, you know, a, um, a active member, if you will, of this program, um, because I, I think that that is key in staying uh, staying around for a long haul. So thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Darian Kay. Um, up next, we have Bonnie B. Go right ahead, Bonnie. Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Jen, for your service. Um, Bonnie B. Gratefully recovered. Um, in the state of North Carolina today, heading toward Florida. How powerful these paragraphs are. So what I see here for me is um, the intentionality. The thoughts come. I had something happen yesterday that I'm telling you just spun me so fast. And I haven't felt like that in a long time. I have the choice because of this, because of my um, emotional sobriety and because of being connected to God to immediately do the next right thing. And the next right thing has to be reach out to other people. 
because I don't have an eating disease. I don't have a weight issue. I have a thinking disease. And when I lose that, I call it peace. The big book calls it restless, irritable, and discontent. I know I have become disconnected. And I am in a dangerous spot. And I am so grateful that immediately I know I have that same thought. Of course, I can't pick up. That's the grace of God. But then the other thoughts follow. And what this does for me is it reminds me, I can't have two thoughts in my head at the same time. I'm either thinking about something else or I am back into my show. And if I'm into my show, there is only one way out. And it's going to be to look for the thing that I used in the past to medicate me. It doesn't work. It's dead. So, you know, he describes it. It's perfect. It's in and out what he's doing. He has, he plays a part. I play a part. I will always listen to. And when those thoughts come, it's not if, it's when. When those thoughts come, I have a choice. What am I going to do? It's either me or it's someone else. And the moment I give myself away to someone else through service, those other thoughts are removed. Intentionally, they are pushed out. They are pushed out by my higher power, by, by who I call God. I, this, is, this is how I survive in this program. And I am so grateful for the gift of this line. I am so grateful for the gift of each and every one of you and for the gift that God has given me of sobriety today in the midst of... Um, Honestly, one of the most challenging things I've ever gone through at the age of 62. God is kind and he is gracious and he has given me an answer. Answer to pick up the phone and to reach out to all of you guys to get out of myself and to tether back to him. And with that, I will pass. And thanks so much for letting me share. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bonnie B. All right. Um, We have time for one more share. Who else would like to share? Press star one and unmute. Marion H. Go ahead, Ma- go ahead, Marion. Thank you so much, moderator. This is Marion H. from Florida. I am just claiming my seat, and I'm so, so grateful to God and to the program and to Vision that I am abstinent and trying to work the steps. But trying is lying because I've been in rehab, and that's what I was told. So I have to do it. And with God's help, I'm doing it. And I'm just so, so grateful for everyone who's on the line. God bless you. And uh, I'm just, the vision is the most wonderful thing that could happen to me. And the fact that I'm not in the food is, you know, it's up to, it's God's will. And I'm just grateful that I'm willing to do it today. And thank you all of you for, for all your most wonderful shares. And I'm going to pass. Thank you, Marion H. from Florida, for sharing your gratitude and closing us out today. And thank you to everyone who shared and everyone who's here listening. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. <clears throat> and so let's see, we'll get everybody muted. There we go. Um, grab your pen and paper. Here's the share ID for today, Tuesday, September 19, 2023, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard uh, Big Book Study is 20,655. That's 20655. We're now going to close the reading with a big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. I will now ask Rena L. to please read a vision for you. Hi, this is Rena L., recovered compulsive overeater from Toledo, Ohio. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.